Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Kevin Poirier. Kevin is a member of the Oglala Sioux Tribe and has been carving buffalo horn on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota for about 20 years. Poirier is one of the only artists in the country working in the medium of incised buffalo horn. The works he produces carry forward Lakota artistic practices for creating spoons, vessels, and other everyday items of sublime beauty from the horns of the revered animal. His carvings reveal the beauty he sees in the world around us, utilizing imagery intent on inspiring thought, growth, and creating the opportunity for education. Kevin's award-winning art has been collected by major museums and private collections worldwide. His work has been shown in Paris, New York, Los Angeles, Denver, and Kansas City. He is the recipient of the prestigious Best of Show Award at the Southwestern Association for Indian Arts Show, held annually at Santa Fe, New Mexico, in 2018. So, let's jump into this conversation with Kevin Boyer. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plane Questions. It's really great to have you here. Yeah, it was awesome to be part of this. Glad you got, glad we met a few months ago. Yes, absolutely. Uh, would you be able to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and where you're from. Um, my name is Kevin Puyer. I'm a member of the Oglala Sioux Tribe in western South Dakota. And uh, I guess I grew up in Rapid City until um, I was about 13 years old. And then um, in 1972, uh, my father moved down to the reservation to help my grandpa on his ranch chase cows and stuff and so I was part of that move and and uh, grew up going to school in Wall Wall South Dakota a country I guess kind of a country school but um, yeah that's kind of and, and then and then I guess after high school and stuff I Moved around here and there, uh, went to the oil fields in Wyoming and and uh, did some auto body work here. Went to an auto body school and, and learned how to fix cars and figured I'd save myself a million dollars working on my own cars, taking a dents out. So, <laughs> 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 But yeah, that's kind of uh, before my art thing started, I guess, is what I, that's what I did. Okay. Uh so can you talk a little bit about uh, your influences um, early on and your influences uh, currently? Well, you know, it just seems like I kind of became an artist by accident. Um, I, after high school, I, in high school, I kind of seemed to be wandering and not having any direction. And, and uh, uh, after high school, I, I uh, I'm surrounded by cowboys and uh, uh, in in I guess to be um, my idea of being being that way back then was you had to be wild and crazy for anybody to talk about you and and the thing to to do was to drink and get drunk and party as hard as you could and do crazy stuff and um, 
and so that's kind of what I did. And, 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 um, along the way I ended up getting into some trouble and, and just creating a mess and hurting a lot of people and myself along the way. And, and, uh, was into drugs and alcohol. And, and finally, by the time I hit 30 years old, I, I hit my bottom and decided I had to change my ways and straighten up. And, um, I remember uh, I had some friends staying with me about that time up in Rapid City, and uh, a bunch of them were uh, carvers. They would carve on deer antler and make earrings and bolo ties and necklaces. And and uh, I had been working in a factory um, when I sobered up, and twelve-hour shifts, and it was it was. Um, um, I was working twelve-hour shifts, and all my friends were staying at my house all day long, carving and laughing and having fun while I was working away. And so um, I started carving and um, um, these were just some crazy biker guys I knew that were carving and tattooing and doing artwork. And and so I kind of started carving then and, and I, I art, artwork in South Dakota was not considered a way to make a living. Um, my friends didn't seem to, they just seemed to be getting by with doing what they were doing. And, and, um, so it was just kind of a side thing to do. And, and as far as artists getting out to the, to the, around the country, um, showing their work or being in museums, that was never even a thought. And, and so I remember my first, uh, after a couple years of making some, some things, I had, it was just a live and learn. I never had any schooling about how to make anything or design or, or no one in my family was an artist. So, um, um, I, I, when I met my wife, Valerie, um, she, she'd come from Phoenix. She's a member of the, um, Oglala Sioux too. And, and so I don't know. I entered an art show and, and I won second place with a pair of earrings and I won like $200, which was about what I made in one week at my factory job. And I remember uh, one of the judges at the show told me, um, you should go to Phoenix to the Herd Museum art show. And I'd never even knew what that was. And so I, I guess I, I never really had any influences for a long time. I, I just uh, would bumping into people here and there that were kind of give me advice or guide me along. And, and um, right now I have uh, some really prestigious top of the line, famous artists who are my friends. And, and um, they're, I guess, the ones that I look up to and, and I'm highly influenced by, by them. They're from New Mexico. So um, I'm glad we have internet now and, and, we visit quite a bit and um, give each other support. You, you've uh, touched on this a little bit. Uh, you know, the third question is about how you developed your career. Um, when in those early days, uh, when the people were staying at your house and they were they were doing all that, um, what was what was the the thing that kind of pushed you over to the art side fully? You had mentioned the 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 second place. Uh, award that you had won uh was there maybe another incident or a string of incidences that sort of made you say hey this this could be a, a lifestyle for me 
Um, that was um, when I won the second place ribbon. Uh, it was kind of acknowledgement that I had made something good or, or second place good. <laughs> and so, um, and, and I actually made some sales. And, and so I thought, well, I'm going to go to another show. And we did another show up in um, uh, United Sioux Tribe uh, um, powwow. We did that one. And then another show was an art show in Sioux Falls. And that was in 1995, I think, when I first did that. And then, um, you know, and I thought, well, I could, I, we could maybe do this. And so I moved back to my dad's ranch. And uh, um, we just started going from market to market. I'd make things and go to a market. And, and uh you know, pretty soon um, I went to Phoenix to the Herd Museum show. And my, my first year that I, I was there, I, I showed up with all my inlaid buffalo horn work. And um, uh, no one ever seen that material before. They didn't know what it was. They thought it was painted plastic. And I, I remember uh, there was a native artist magazine by the Smithsonian used to put out. And they did a uh, feature on me that first show and so I was in my first magazine that that first year in, in Phoenix and 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 so um, you know even up here with my material has always been a problem even though it's so uh, in, in embedded in our culture you know buffalo horn we, we've made buffalo horn spoons buffalo horn cups and, and then I do the, the jewelry and, and, and everything I can with a buffalo horn. And I, I remember even one of the, the guys who was in charge of Red Cloud Indian School here, or the Heritage Center, um, Brother Simon, he, he told me, uh, why don't you do German silver? And, 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 and um, it was like, I couldn't believe that he told me that because it wasn't supporting what I was doing. He was trying to point me a different direction. And, um, and so I, I, I didn't listen to him and I kept doing what I, what I'm doing now. And, um, and along the way, you know, I, I, I applied for different grants and I started getting grants. I started winning every show I was in. Um, I got accepted into the uh, Santa Fe Indian Market, which is one of the is the top show in the country, and I've won every award there. Uh, in 2018, I won Best in Show, which is the top award, and um, got my picture blasted in Times Square, New York City, for a whole day. <laughs> and and boy, the doors really opened. And um, you know, when when you start working hard and putting the time in. And, and I remember another thing that that guy told me was I asked him to nominate me once for artist of the year in South Dakota. And he, he told me, I, he said, Kevin, you, you haven't paid your dues. <laughs> and so after 20 years and I mean, over a dozen museums around the country and around the world and, and in di different collections and have won every award and, and, and fellowships and grants, I feel like I paid my dues finally. And but it's surprising to me because I'll still go to an art show and and talk my head off because people still don't know <laughs> what buffalo horn jewelry is. I'm the only one in the whole country. Yeah. And uh, and I feel like it's really um, um, 
sometimes I think I'm crazy because if I was a silversmith, people never ask how things are made or a pottery person. They don't have to describe every step of their work or painters. Um, but doing a whole unique one of a kind art form, um, I, I, I love what I'm doing. I create the most awesome things, but people just, I don't know, haven't caught on. It's, it's a weird, weird medium for me, but I love it. And for the listener, um, just so they know, um, I was a juror um, at the uh, the Northern Plains um, art show this year, and you had won uh, one of the awards in that show. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, um, I had done that show, the, the Plains Art Market, probably about four or five years up until the year 2000. And then, then that was kind of when I really started hitting uh, the the road hard with uh, in the Southwest at markets and and uh, it just so happened that the Sioux Falls show was like so soon after Santa Fe Indian Market, I couldn't rebuild my inventory enough to go to go do another show. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, I went back in 2019 and won Best in Fine Arts there, and then I won Best in tribal arts i think it was again just a few months ago so it was um pretty awesome i uh, I, I had one with a, a a big long belt that i had made and it uh, was about it, the title of it was lakota medicine and all the floral designs represented medicines and herbs that that we use here and or that we used to use and it's a beautiful belt um but uh, yeah, it was uh, a good way to get ready to go into winter to win a, a best of <laughs> award. Again. Uh, one of the, the privileges of being a juror is you, you get time to be able to pour over the artwork and really study it. And it really was a privilege for me to be able to sit there with the other jurors and just really admire your work. Because one of the details that I really appreciated is I think we flipped over the buckle and you had designs in a place that didn't need to happen. You know, um, I think if, if it was just presented as is, that's great. But the attention to detail on a side that maybe the, the, the passive viewer wouldn't see, um, I and the others, we deeply appreciate it, that level of detail. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and with my art and, and being clean and sober, I, I don't, you know, I don't hang around with party people. I've always steered my way toward people who are living a healthy lifestyle and, and which has led me to people who are really actually speaking with their art. They're addressing identity issues and, and real powerful um, issues that we have in Indian country. And uh, so um, it really pushes me to be able to uh, want to say more with my art, you know, about maybe the suicide issues that we have in Indian country with our young people or the addiction problems or loss of land, um, identity. And, and um, so most, a lot of my bigger pieces, I try to, you know, have a message so that I don't want to just do the romanticized Indian chasing a buffalo 
over and over and over or, or try to decorate somebody's house, uh, you know, with pretty Indian things. And which has also kind of limited my um, exposure to maybe a lot of collectors and museums, but um, I, I, I can't stop doing uh, artwork that has a message. Uh, I, I remember one of the pieces that I had done a few years ago was, um, it was called Mixed Blood Guy. About It was a self-portrait and I had red fingers pointing on me on one side and then white fingers on the other side. And then there was a little bubble on each finger that said, you think you're Indian. And then on the other finger, on the other side of the spoon, it said, you think you're white. And then one would say, get off the res. And the other one says, get back to the res. And, and these things that I hear. And it was in a little exhibit that we had in Rapid City. And I remember the adults at the party that night were really uncomfortable looking at some of my political works. But then about a week later, I happened to be at the art center and uh, uh, there was a group of young kids there. And, and the, I remember this little girl asking about, I think one of, the, one of the fingers I had on each side of the piece was a middle finger pointing at me. And the kids really, oh, they were really excited to see this, the bird, you know, the middle finger on a piece of art. And they asked me what that was. And I said, you guys know what that is. And um, I explained it, and these kids said, well, this little girl member, she said, how does that make you feel? And I was getting so much react, uh, interaction with these young third graders, and I was with adults. And so we talked about those hurtful things. And, that, um, and then another one piece that I had did was uh, Mount Rushmore breaking in two with a herd of buffalo running down the center of it which was about our land, you know, uh, sacred places and stuff. And, and seeing reactions of people, it, it, uh, it like was empowering me to um, um, have a voice. I, I mean, we all want to have a voice and be heard. And doing this through artwork was, was really an awesome venue. Hmm. And, and then uh, I guess another thing that led me to it was uh, uh, during the Standing Rock um, uh, water protectors. We went up there in was that 2018, 17, 16, 16, 16 17. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I had gone up to standing rock and, and I, uh, I saw a lot of people get on stage with the microphones and, and, uh, and then they would leave and next picture you'd see, they'd be in New York city at a protest and Paris at a protest. But the ones who weren't getting seen were the, the women I saw in the cook tent who were working and they were chopping wood and feeding a thousand people three times a day and, and more than that. And, you know, these were people were, a lot of them were women that were working hard and it was during the Me Too movement. And so I, I remember uh, me and Valerie were discussing about um, our next our next project, what, what was we going to do? And I, I had just, after years and years of going to Santa Fe and seeing the best in show pieces, I, I was at a loss on what do we do? And, and I hate thinking that way. What do I make to, to win best in show? And um, I remember Valerie said, she said, you're really good at doing portraits. Um, she said, do one about women. And, and I was like, 
that was the beginning idea, but how do you, what does that mean? And how does that go evolve into an art piece? And so I, I have a lot of friends from Alaska to Hawaii, all over the country. And so I started calling everybody and asking people who they would recommend for a humble woman who doesn't get attention, that thinks they should have attention, you know, that d- deserves this, respecting their community. And um, so I did the, picked out seven or eight women and did a portrait with their travel designs behind them. And, and that was what won Best in Show in Santa Fe that year. And um and, and so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ideas out there about how to, um, where to go next. I mean, we have a lot of issues and there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, um, I'll probably never get to every idea I have in my head now. But that's a good thing, you know, uh, staying motivated <laughs> and staying at it. Yep. I, I, I saw those pieces of uh, those portraits of the women, uh, that was outstanding, uh, and it was a little exciting for me too, because a, a number of those individuals have been on this podcast and will be on this podcast. Uh, they're slated to be on uh, later this season. Mm. So it, it was, it was really good to see that um, they're, they're being recognized, you know, by other artists for the work that they're doing in community. And that's right. a great about um, the, the, you know, the, the, beyond, who are doing all the work in the background, supporting everybody, but not getting the recognition that they should be getting. Right. Uh, you know, and then, and then I was, uh, there was so many women that I uh, could have added to this belt. I mean, this belt could have been a mile long and it still wouldn't have had enough room for more, the women that deserve recognition. Um, and I, I did a second piece after that. It was called uh, uh, Warrior Women Finding Their Voices. And um, it was all these women who in 2018, you know, we were at really at risk of losing our sovereignty and, and, and a lot of women were losing their rights. And, and so a lot of Native women ran for office and, and got elected. And so I asked all these, uh, there was two from South Dakota and then I, uh, Deborah Hall and then was uh, from New Mexico, was just uh, a representative then, a congresswoman. Mm-hmm. And now she's the interior secretary, but I, and I even got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's a member of the Tiano tribe in Puerto Rico. And I contacted all these women and asked them permission to be on this next piece. And, and they asked what kind of, des- asked them what kind of design they wanted on the belt. And, and, and so I did another, that, that piece. And it was really uh, funny, the first belt ended up in the Smithsonian uh, National Museum of the American Indian. And then um, the Smithsonian's uh, American Art Museum in Washington was uh, uh, interested in in some pieces of mine. And so I sent them a picture of that belt. And they declined the belt because all the women on the belt were Democrats. And I, it was so weird because I... I I spoke out and I said, you know, if I knew one Republican woman that was standing up for their community, their people and women's rights, I would have put one her on this belt, but I didn't know anybody. And um, they really almost closed the door on me then and said, um, do you want to 
um, well, we can remove your name from the list of acquisitions if you want. <laughs> and so, you know, there was that, there's always that risk of if we don't get your piece, no matter if it's political or whatever, we can always go to somebody else who will do what we want. And so that's the, the tricky thing about doing political art is there's always someone trying to shut you down or discredit you or label us, you know, of being um, disgruntled, angry, mad, hard to work with. And, uh, and, and I've uh, heard that from my friends who also do political work is that you really get isolated and, you know, it's a way to shut us, shut our voices down. But um, I know a few that have quit who won't do political work because of that. But uh, the friends I have now, um, we just keep doing what we do and, and speaking out. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, so this, and you've been touching on this a little bit, but um, you know, the, the question is um, how, how do opportunities present themselves to you? Uh, are they different now compared to early on in your career and how has that evolved? Um, it, it's really in, you know, we just seemed like we were going from art show to art show and we were meeting different people here and there. And, and I, I remember where we would be almost flat broke and, and, and all of a sudden the phone would ring. Um, we would make an order or get a commission. It, it seems like the, it, I hate to think of it as someone watching over me. Because uh, uh, I, I, I sometimes that sounds corny and stuff, but every time things that seem to get hard, it seems like there's an opportunity that comes up. And of course, I I I don't turn anything down. I I, um, I apply for every fellowship, every grant that I can find. Um, I, I just uh, I now I work with uh, on Instagram and Facebook uh, and really push my art and. and um, I think because I've uh, I've won so many awards, uh, a lot of magazines want to use me as a, maybe a promotion for a certain category, like the diversified art. And so I get a lot of free advertising because of my um, the art pieces are, are award winning. And so um, it's just I I I just never give up. And I work hard, you know, and and, um, and and I try to take every opportunity there is that that's out there. I mean, I mean, no one. Uh, I don't have that education or come from a famous art family, and and so I, I kind of know how to fight and and hang in there and work hard. Hmm. What advice would you give to the 18 or 22 year old that's listening to this conversation? Um, I, I remember when I first started out working for four or five years. And of course I was 30 then, you know, and I was, by the time I became a full-time artist su supporting our fam my family on just artwork, I was like 34, I suppose. And, and so um, it, it, um, I would say that uh, I, I remember seeing these, these, I, I, 
really immerse myself in reading a lot of magazines and and I'd always see these exhibits like in these museums and they would always pick the same three or four famous artists. And 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 these were artists that I never saw at art market. Um, they were always the MFA or the PhD artists who who do installation art or uh, I, I'd never seen them around. I was really crazy, but, um, and I was really frustrated because I thought my work, I've, I've won this award and I won that award. Why can't, why don't I get into this exhibit? And, and I was really frustrated at these older artists for always getting everything that came along, the same people. And, and I guess it kind of goes back to what that guy said, I haven't paid my dues yet. I, I realize now that I did have to hang in there and prove myself and it, it, and really work hard. I, I, you know, I, it was frustrating those, those not getting accepted into certain things. And, and there's times when I applied to grants I think I applied for a SWIA fellowship seven years in a row. Um, I, I, I just, I'd get mad and then I'd kind of lick my wounds and the next year go right back at it and, and just never give up. And, um, you know, I've gotten one, one thing I got was a Bush fellowship out of Minnesota. Um, I applied for 12 years for that. And I'd get so mad because it was always those MFA PhD artists that do art that I could never understand. And, 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 and I kind of worked on my writing a lot and that's how I, um, I guess I kind of fine tuned everything and got better photos and learned how to uh, be a little bit more articulate about my work. But um, yeah, just uh, to, to never give up and just keep, keep trying and keep trying and of course, we see uh, some young artists today in their 20s that may come from a famous line of an art family who have doors open for them already. And and that would be fine and wonderful, you know, if that, if that works for them. But I think a lot of artists up here in the, um, it was not really considered an art desert up here in the Northern Plains, but it takes a lot of work and, and just to never give up. Mm. Where can the listener find um, find your work? Uh, be able to connect with you if they needed to. Oh, I'm I'm always available f- to visit with anybody. Um, uh, I'm, I have a website, uh, kevinpuyer.com, and uh, and that's pretty much it. Then I, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I have some artist sites that I post a lot of things and. Um, I, I love to visit with anybody and anybody wants to reach out or talk about that struggle of um, maybe not having the opportunities or how to, I mean, you, you really do have to push yourself and be able to talk and, and present your artwork. And so, um, yeah, I'm willing to help and visit with anybody and kevinpuyer.com. We'll make sure to um, put uh, those links all in the show notes uh, so our listener can just click onto it. So what do you have coming up? What's 2023 looking like for you? Um, you, you know, in, in, um, 
Well, the, we have a new uh, uh, hospital uh, in Rapid City coming up, and I had never done something like that before, but uh, they did a call for art to fill up some about four of these big rooms that they're going to have new hospitals. So um, I, I, I applied to get uh, some photos of that uh, medicine belt that I made and, and maybe surround the whole room and some big photos. Ho hopefully um, that would be kind of cool to have my work here locally and on a big scale. And then um, um, the Herd Museum art show is always the first week in March and I think this is probably going to be my 26th year in, in Phoenix. And so I'm always trying to push the boundaries with that show because they're always looking for innovative pieces. And um, I'm always, I put my older work to the side and, and try to knock everybody's socks off at, at the first show of the year in, in Phoenix. And then, um, you, I, I don't know, uh, the opportunities roll in and, and we're always uh, excited to see what's next. I never know for sure in this business. You know, it's not a sure thing, but um, we put the energy out there and hopefully it comes back. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Well, uh, you know, wishing you the best for 2023. Uh, give my best to Valerie and thank you so much for being on this episode. This is really great. Well, yeah, this was awesome. It was really nice meeting you and, and I was really glad that you um, Got to see my work finally. I don't know if you've seen it before, but um, one more person to see it's always uh, uh, I, 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 for you to vote for, for best in show was <laughs> that was pretty awesome. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Kevin again for his time and sharing his story with us. After the interview, uh, he and I chatted a little bit about, uh, I guess, kind of the old days of the Northern Plains Indian Art Market, uh, where we were at him as a, a young artist and myself as a, a young assistant to Robert Penn, uh, who was showing at that market. And it's just kind of neat to think that um, at that time, uh, two young men were just trying to figure it out at this art market. And then, you know, a generation later, we'd be holding conversations like these in a technology that didn't exist back then. And so, uh, you know, it's just kind of a nice thought. And it was nice to be able to, in a sense, reconnect. So, Kevin, uh, thank you for that. And I look forward to seeing you next time at the next art market. It's going to be great to see you. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Facebook, on across social media, or at our plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. If you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please find me on Facebook or at the website and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. Well, that does it. You take care and we will see you next week.
This has been an 11 Warrior.